we are studying a particular section. We're looking at the love of God and we're looking particularly at the fact that God is love. I pray that as we talk about this, as we discuss this, that you have enough of a foundation to understand what is being said here. So let's begin in 1 John chapter 4. I want to begin in verse 7, the first part of it. I gave you a little introduction last week. Let's dive into it today. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. And then he says, For love is of God, or literally divine, or agape love, comes from God. Now, I want to stop there for a minute. Now that we have some insight into this love that God is, and that God has, I want to go deeper and look at how this perfect divine love desires to love us. Amen? Now you know what that is. Now let's see how it wants to love us, how God wants to love us, and what this perfect divine love desires to do for us. Did you get that? Okay. In his commentary, let's begin with this. <laughs> Simon J. Kissamaka writes, John indicates that God himself initiates this love. And now I want to, you know, I want to stop there for a second because this is so very important. That God himself initiates this love. Do you know we would not know what love is if God didn't reveal it to us? And if, <laughs> you know... So much of the time, you know, we're questioning God and His motives, again, because of bad preaching and because of misinterpretations and all sorts of things. And, you know, we question God in so many ways. And, you know, we, sometimes you ask the question, God, do you love me? I mean, really? Because it doesn't look like it right now. <laughs> you know, why are you letting all these things happen to me? You know what I'm trying to say? And we have this. And you need to understand something. Any love that you have in your life, any love that you've been shown or that you've shown came from him it's that's where it originated and we need to understand that we need to see everything in the light of god is love and something else that god is light yeah may i add in, in him there's no darkness at all i mean there's no darkness at all i love to preach on that about okay we we're talking about love but you know they go hand in hand because, you know, some people think, well, you know, God, you know, has a little darkness here and there. Sometimes he'll do stuff to make your life miserable to see if you love him or something. Do you know there are, you know, we, can I go back to the reason you were created was so that he could love someone. I was always told that God created us for somebody to love him. Wow. Isn't that just flipping it over the head? No, he created us to love us. Do you know what happens when you are truly loved? You love back. The love that we show God should come from an overflow of a love that he has shown us. Are you with me? See, this is the problem we're having in the body. You know, we're trying to do stuff out of an empty vessel. Your vessel needs to be filled up. You need to have an overflowing love. And out of that overflow, then you can love everybody else and the right way. Do you know what the right way is? With no strings attached. <laughs> you know? Oh, people will love you, but you know there's a few strings attached. And you know that? 
when they get in trouble, oh, where I was there for you, where were you? <laughs> okay? That, that, that's not how this works. Because our source is God in all things. Amen? And so whatever, you know, whatever love that I show you, I don't expect you to show that love back to me. I don't expect it. It's a huge blessing when you do. And I'm blessed tremendously all the time. Let me just say that. <laughs> okay? But I never expected. I expect it from one being, and that is God. I expect Him to love me. Especially with this revelation. You know, this, is, this has really set me free. This has blessed me tremendously. Knowing that He just wants to love me. And He's looking for ways to love me. And I have to look for ways to let Him love me. Oh, there's a revelation in that. What do you mean you have to look for ways to love? I have to look for things in my life that may be getting in the way of Him loving me. Things that I might think, things that I might do, things that I might, that I might say that gets in the way of that. Be careful that you don't think or say or do anything that gets in the way of God loving you. It's very hard for God to love you when you're criticizing somebody else that He loves. More than another year. Okay. We, <laughs> we need to keep going here, okay? <laughs> At the moment, we're talking about God loving us. Let me finish here. So again, he says, um, I'm reading again from Simon Jekissimaki. He says, God indicates that God himself initi initiates his love and showers it upon his people. And only then expect that they in turn express the same love to each other. See, we can't love each other until we've first been loved by God. We try, but it's messed up. <laughs> you know, that's where most of the trouble in the church comes from. People that are messed up trying to love people. And a messed up person can only love you in a messed up way. We start getting too psychological. Y'all know, Vandana knows, okay? <laughs> she done psychology. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I mean, there's stuff, man. You know, it's, you know, people say that, you know, that's sick love. Yeah, there is that such, such a thing. That's not God's love. God's love is pure. God's love is something totally different. It looks for nothing in return. It is, there is a pureness to it in that when you are being loved by it, you know that there, there are no strings attached. You know that it's unconditional. And you know that it's always there. That it, it'll never pass away. In fact, I've got stuff to talk. One minute. Let's get to it. Okay. <laughs> Following this, the Apostle John then goes on to make that most iconic statement in all of Scripture. And again, what we've been constantly referencing throughout the seri series, and that is in 1 John 4, 8. Let's go there. Where he writes, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's really interesting what he's saying here. I, I, I wish I could um, spend some time sharing the backdrop, you know, where all of this is written. There's a, there was a lot of stuff going on back then. There were these people... Let me give you a brief version. Itty bitty. Okay, just hang with me. Don't roll your eyes. Okay. <laughs> okay. There was a group of people that were called Gnostics. They believed in this kind of secret knowledge and all this sort of stuff. And so, but the, the way they treated people, 
You know, they believed that they had a higher sort of understanding of God and, and stuff. But then the way they treat people was terrible. And so the Apostle John, in his argument, one of the things that he says, he says, look, if you don't know how to love, you really don't know God. You say you know God. You say you know God better than everybody else. And you've got secret knowledge about God and all this stuff. But your love shows none of that. Now, let, me bring, let, let me bring it today, okay, to, to, to sort of contemporary time. When people say they know all this theological stuff and they know about the Bible and all that stuff and they're, you know, they're anything but loving, then you question what they know. They may know stuff, but it's going through colored glasses. It is being tinted, it's being tainted, it ain't right. I know people that preach stuff. You know, when, <laughs> when I go to Kurong and I'm buying, you know, reference books. I read stuff. I go look for things. Because not everybody that wrote a book is smart. They just wrote a book. And not everybody that buys their books are smart. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why do you say that? Hey, they can say a million got sold, but that means, <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean nothing to me. There's just a million messed up people out there <laughs> believing stuff. And, you know, there's a greater condemnation for those that teach. Because they influence people. And if you influence people against God, watch out. I'm just going to say that and leave it. Thank you. So, <laughs> let's, let's get back to this. So, again, against that backdrop, okay, for people that say they know God, say, you know, they have a higher knowledge and everything else. John says something very simple. I love the simplicity of John. And we really need to be simple. Okay, now, you know, the only complications, and it's not really a complication, it's, you know, sometimes it's good to know background. But because you weren't there, that's my job. And he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the edifying of the saints, for the work of the ministry, okay, that I train you up to do the ministry so I can go do all that research. So you don't have to. You can just go, okay, I get it. I'll go do it now. You are called to do the work of the ministry. I'm called to study to show myself approved. A workman that no, need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I give you the truth to work with. You know, <laughs> let, let, all right. Let me just share something else with you. <laughs> um, I had a, a very interesting revelation. I, and, you know, please don't throw rocks at me on this one, okay? You might go, oh, duh. But... Okay, it was for me. It was exciting. It was interesting. It was, it was a light on the inside, okay? It was really interesting. I, I, as I was going through, because I've just been um, covering a lot of uh, subjects and topics and doing a lot of different things, and something jumped out at me. And the thing that jumped out at me was that, you know, God in his word, because we're looking for more than this to help people. Because people say, you know, this isn't enough. We, 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 you know, we need to get practical. We need other things. And I don't, you know, I, I don't take away from anything that is out there. I thank God for everything that is out there helping somebody. Can I say that? Okay, having established that. I have realized and I have come to understand something that is profound. And that will really help all of, all of you that want to start up home fellowships and stuff. This was in regard to that. 
because I was, I was praying over that, and I've been developing things for that now, and we're moving forward. Hallelujah. <laughs> that previous season is basically finished, so it's allowing me to move forward now. And, uh, you know, one of the questions I ask God, and this is relevant to this. Just follow me, okay? I know you don't think it's relevant, but it is. Um, <laughs> one of the things I asked God was I said, you know, how can people deal with all the problems that are out there? You know, somebody's going to come into somebody's fellowship and kind of go, I've got this massive problem because I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to share scripture with you and teach you how to pray and teach you how to counsel people and all that stuff. Okay. It goes hand in hand, by the way. So some of you will just want to do this. Even though you don't want to run a home fellowship, you'll just want to do it because you want to be able to pray for people. You want to do the work of the ministry. And that's fantastic. And that's wonderful. So I'm going to make this something that anybody can do and will benefit everybody. And then maybe you'll get enough confidence to say, hmm, I think I'll run one too, <laughs> okay? But one of the things, and this is, what was really this is what really blessed me, was, you know, I said, God, you know, how do we deal with this stuff? He, he just simply said, yes, God is simple. He just said to me, all the answers are here. You just need to find them. And once you find them, then you need to communicate that to people in a way they can understand it. And then... You need to see if they need help to do it. I said, God, that's a decision they make. No, he said, even though they may decide to do something, the enemy can get in the way. Mm. And he said, your job is to make it easy for them to do the right thing. I really like that. But he said, don't go beyond this. It's all here. And this is the best help that there is. And if they need other help to get them to this place, then let them, it's okay, don't ever discourage them from it. But this is where you're headed for. This is your ultimate goal. Amen? To stand on the word and believe God and allow something that is supernatural, something that is greater than anything that can ever come against you to fight for you and defeat everything that is coming against you so that you can have the victory. Where did you get that from? Romans. <laughs> we are more than conquerors through him who loved us hallelujah i'm gonna preach on that maybe next week or the week after <laughs> we'll get to it okay i have to keep moving all right all right <laughs> the signs are going up in the back thank you no thank you i know you thank you all right <laughs> So I w no, notice again, he says here, he says, he who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. Now, you know, one of the things is when you are, you know, let me just take it back to home fellowship just for a minute. You know, when you are there, one of the things that you need to convince people is that God is love, that God loves them. That's the reason why, you know, I told you, it's related, okay? That's the reason why the simplicity of his word, the simplicity of whatever answer you're looking for is in here. That's why it's there. God doesn't make it hard for you. He doesn't say you've got to go to college for six years, get five degrees, and then we'll deliver you. Because you're too stupid to be delivered right now. No. <laughs> you know, it says, well, let me paraphrase it. The foolish things of the world, you know, the, fool, or the yeah, the, the, the things that the world thinks are so smart, it's foolishness to God. They say, we have learned this now. He goes, you're so far behind still. We have discovered this amazing truth. Still about 600 steps behind to where I am right now. 
you all with me? You know, it's like dumb. We, you know, we flash our credentials and we flash our learnings and everything, and he's not impressed. The Apostle Paul talks about that. He considered all of his amazing credentials. He was an incredible Pharisee, by the way. Oh, he was exceptional. He says he called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, if them Pharisees thought they had an edge on everybody else, he had that same edge on top of all the Pharisees. He said, you have nothing to boast. I can outstrip all of you. And then he said, I count all of that. I use the word dung. Okay. Use whatever you want. <laughs> no, he really used that word. I mean, <laughs> I could just say him going, oh, this, it's just <laughs> that. Compared to what I've learned about God and Christ and his spirit and all of that stuff. Amen. And he's saying, okay, so this is important. And from there he writes. Gives us solutions to things. These are not stupid people. These are brilliant people that have on top of that God. So, and you need to understand that it's all coming from love. Because God is love. He's holding nothing back from us. You know, God said, I'm not hiding anything from you. If anything, I'm hiding things for you. But never from you. And you need to know that. Amen? That's a huge thing that you need to share in your home fellowship. So getting back to this. So you understand how this all ties in now. I pray that you do. Okay? Just because people are always looking for complicated things. Say, no, God is simple. God is love. And he gives you all, uh, all the solutions. And if you're having trouble with it, please be honest and let us know. Because we'll pray with you and for you. So that you can do this. Amen? Mm. G.S. Barrett says, these words are the greatest words ever spoken in human speech, the greatest words in the whole Bible. It is impossible to suggest, even in the briefest outline, all that these words contain. For no human and no created intellect has ever or will ever fathom their unfathomable meaning. But, me, uh, but we may reverently say, that this one sentence concerning God contains the key to all God's works and ways. really want you to catch on that, okay? It is the key to all God's works and ways. The mystery of creation, redemption, and the being of God himself. Everything is here. That God is love. All of his works, all of his ways comes from here. That's why I said to you, read, you know, when you're reading the Old Testament, please understand, they had no great revelation of the devil. Everything was God. And it's very difficult to separate out things in there. And so that's the reason why Jesus, why we call this full life, in John 10.10 makes a distinction. He said the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. As one of, my, 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 one of my favorite preachers said, if it's life and life more abundantly, it's God. If it ain't, it's something else. <laughs> okay? I know somebody out there will jump up and say, yeah, but what about God's discipline? It is trying to get you out of trouble. And God doesn't discipline 
by killing things. Jesus, remember he said, if it's killing, stealing, and destroying, it's coming from somewhere else. You may see him and look like God and say, well, God's doing this because you did that bad thing. <laughs> wow. I, <laughs> I, was, I was reading a commentary on some of the verses I was going to do later on uh, by a particular person. And I really loved what they said. We're going to look, look at uh, Romans chapter 8 regarding the love of God. Who can separate us from the love of God? Okay, we're going <laughs> to... And he, he was talking about... He said, people... He said, do you understand? He actually went through this whole section. I was, re- I was fascinated. A- anyway, he was going through this whole section. And he said, you know, there's no one or no thing, nothing, that can take us, take the salvation we receive from God away from us. He says he's actually, people don't read, realize what they're reading in there because he breaks down all the Greek words. And he lets you know and he shows you. And I've, I was, in, I took my, I uh, saluted this guy, man. I mean, this was extraordinary. He said, you know what God did? There's nothing bigger than God to undo it. And one of the things that he mentioned was, he said one of those sentences and verses, and we'll talk about this in more detail later, okay? He said, talks about, can you sin badly enough to lose your salvation? That was interesting. And it says in that verse, you can't. So no sin can get, you know the only thing that can get you out is your will. Your will got you in and your will can take you out. But even then, God will make it very difficult for you to get out. But no sin can get you out. I thought that was really accept. I, I, that was I, I. It was it blessed me. I have no words. I know it's a shock. But I thought, wow, God. Do you know why? Because some people out there are struggling with things. They love God, but they are struggling with things. And the devil lies to them and says, because you're still doing this, are you really saved? Did you know? And, and it just questions everything. I love a, 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 a phrase that the Apostle Paul uses. It's called a carnal Christian. People don't like to put those two words together, but it exists. It's a Christian that looks just like the world. It's a carnal Christian as opposed to a spiritual one. Okay? You can be a Christian and still be carnal. And I don't have time to go into that today. I know there's a lot of different thoughts out there, but please understand something. If the thoughts don't line up with God is love, challenge them. Do you hear me? Just challenge them. Okay, back to this, back to this. In his commentary, John MacArthur writes, Love is inherent in all God is and does. I like this. He says, even his judgment is perfectly harmonized with his love. Do you know one of the things that people don't realize are people that are not saved. They can't stand in the presence of God. They want to go to heaven, but they won't be able to stand in the presence of God. It will be a nightmare to them. Did you all know that? See, people don't realize this. We see a little picture of this when, you know, before they got saved and they were taking the ark back and it tilted and somebody put their hand, nobody was ever meant to touch it. Somebody put their hand to, to steady it and stop it and died immediately. And everybody said, oh, that's the judgment of God. No, no, that's just, 
that's just sin coming into contact with perfect righteousness. They don't work. It just doesn't work, sweetheart. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm going to drop that and leave it and move on. <laughs> you didn't make your point. I kind of made my point, but it's up to you to take it. All right, so <laughs> the Apostle John goes on to tell us, listen, you know, wait, I have to say something because I'm feeling this in the room. Please don't test the limits of your salvation. Do I need to say that? You know, I think I need to say stuff like this. Oh, pastor, that I can sin and do it and just, and just go for it. I don't want this to be known as the most sinningest church in the whole world. <laughs> okay? I wanted this to be the exact opposite. Okay? I want you to be righteous. Do what is right. Because it is a blessing. You do the right thing, and then all of God's blessings will be added to you. You do all the wrong things, and you reap what you sow, sweetheart. You may not go to hell, but it will be hell on earth. Why do you want to live that way? No, I can move on. Okay. <laughs> so the, the Apostle John goes on to tell us what this love did for us when we were imprisoned in and slaves to sin, darkness, and death. Verses 9 and 10. He says, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us. So this is how God, you know, this is what God did for us because we were in a bad place. In this, the love of God was manifested toward, toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world. Sounds like John 3.16, doesn't it? That we might live through him. See, God didn't just look at us and go, oh, those poor little souls. They're not in sin. I mean, that was their fault to begin with. <laughs> told them what not to do, and they went and did it anyway. But anyway, you know, and, and he could have been like that, you know, judgmental. But isn't it wonderful that God loved us so much? And, uh, and that's why it says, in this, the love of God is manifested. How was it manifested? That he sent his only son, begotten son, into the world. To do what? To die for us. That we might live through him. Let me just read the whole thing, okay? Verse 10, because it explains it. Verse 10 says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. That's the complete thought. Okay, so see, God loves us in practical ways. You know, everybody says, oh, you know, you, you get all religion and religious and you're all up there with the fairies and, you know, you kind of left reality and, you know, we live down here in the real world. Can I just say this? God lives right down here in the real world. In fact, he said, you've done it to the least one of these. You've done it to me. Where is that? Down here? That, you know, so if somebody treats you badly, they've, they've treated God badly. Do you know when, <laughs> when I get treated badly, I used to huff and puff and try to blow their house down. Read into that what you want. Okay? A and then God said, don't do that. And I said, man, you, man, you know, God... You know how we get all, but I'm a son of God and I'm a child. <laughs> Just stop all of that. The greatest of all is the servant of all. Jesus didn't say, well, I'm just, ooh, I'm there. He washed their feet. When they're having an argument about it, he just said, yeah, I'll show you how this works. And they were all embarrassed. And Peter said, oh, I should be washing your feet. He said, no, this is necessary. He goes, give me a bath. He goes, no, I don't want to do that either. <laughs> You're missing the point, Pete. <laughs> okay, you, know. you know, people get into foot washing ceremonies. 
they feel very religious and, you know, humble and stuff. That's, you missed the point. It wasn't about the foot washing. It was about the humility. Hmm? And, so <laughs> you know, and so whenever somebody does something bad toward me, I realize now that if they've done it to the least one of these, they've done it to me. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. And I immediately realized that if somebody has done something bad to me, they have sowed a bad seed. God says, touch not my anointed. All of you are God's anointed. You all here? It's not just a preacher. It's all of you, okay? Because you have an anointing, because the Holy Spirit is in you. And he says, don't touch this. And so you know what I pray? This is the reason why Stephen said, don't hold this in against them. Because he knew it was coming. Judgment was coming. And so I do the same thing now. This is how I let God love me. By not holding other people's sin against them. And putting God in a bad place where he's got to now correct me on top of having to deal with them. But when I say, God, forgive them. (laughs) Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe I was horrible and I didn't even realize it. Maybe I did something to offend them, or you know, you don't know you're not that perfect. <laughs> you know? And, so, you know, and so I just say, just don't worry about it, Lord. Just bless them however you can. Reveal to them if they're doing anything wrong. You know, you can pray that prayer that the eyes of their understanding are open so they don't make the same mistake over and over again. And they're not sowing bad seeds over and over again. Are you all with me? And by doing that, I open the door for God to love me. And I always sense a smile on God's face. When I do that, I don't feel like I've been taken advantage of. I don't feel like I got the short end of the stick. I feel like God bless me. I got a blessing out of something the devil was trying to do. That's how you live in this world. Take everything the devil tries to use against you and turn it against him. That's why love is the greatest. Get it? Hallelujah. Around on time. Wow. Uh, that went quickly, didn't it? Oh, I got about five. Let's do one more commentary then. Hallelujah. <laughs> this stuff, this is good stuff, okay? <laughs> In his commentary, Corin G. Cruz writes The author begins negatively by pointing out that love is not to be understood in terms of our love for God. This is love, not that we love God. Having made that clear, he states positively that love is to be understood in terms of God, God's love for us. Amen? Okay? And he says, this is love, that he loved us and sent his son, an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, he did this for us. He didn't sin, we sinned. He paid the price for our sin. Okay? The emphasis in the Greek is that God sent Jesus Christ to be the atoning sacrifice, to remove the guilt. See, this is one of the biggest problems we have when it comes to sin. It's the guilt. It's not the act only. It's the guilt that follows the act, that follows us all the rest of the days of our life. That's why I said what we do in communion is huge. Okay. He says again, To remove the guilt we had incurred because of our sins so that we might have eternal life. 
this was the greatest expression or the great expression of God's love. And on this basis, the author can say, God is love. Because he did all of this to remove the guilt, to set us free. Because he loved us. He could have turned his back on us. Got mad and said, you know what, that's enough. I gave you all of this and you wrecked it all. I'm not going to give my son. Are you kidding? (laughs) Okay? He didn't do any of that. He saw your face. And he said, you're worth it. Now, some people insist on going to hell. So be it. They're really sovereign. But you, you want another way. You want redemption. Then there is redemption. Amen? I'm going to stop here because there's, there's more. And uh, we might come back to this because there is a, uh, a conjoining thought. There's a thought that follows on from this also in a commentary. And there's so much in it. I don't want to rush through it. So let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And I just thank you, Father, for this incredible love that you are showing us and that you are revealing to us. And Father, I thank you that as we learn about this love and as we learn to receive this love, as we learn to walk a life that is pleasing to you in time. Right now, um, the focus is to receive your love, but there are things that we can do to help us to receive that love and not hinder it. To help us to keep the enemy at bay. To help us to draw closer to you, God. And not let anything get in the way of that. And I pray for that right now. I pray for each and every individual here right now. I just thank you, Father. Whatever they had been denied, whatever they had missed out on in being loved, I pray right now that you just wrap your arms around each and every one of them and just let them know how much you love them. I thank you, Father. We can have the greatest intellect in the world. We can be the most brilliant people on the planet and yet be starved of love. And so it wrecks our intellect. It wrecks what we do in and through that intellect. But when we have the love of God in our heart, then that intellect becomes a blessing. And it is blessed by you. So I thank you, Lord. Regardless, we all need this love. We need to know that we are loved unconditionally. And no matter what we do, Daddy is always there. And all we need to do is acknowledge our sin. And I thank you that we are not slow to do that. Hallelujah. Because we now understand that he is waiting on us so that he can love us in the greatest possible way. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.